The following podcast is a Clutch Media production. Welcome to They Get It. My name's Kelsey, and my co-host Emma and I love direct-to-consumer brands. Whether it's an amazing customer experience or a really killer social strategy, this podcast will feature the brands and founders who just get it. Welcome back to another episode. We've got Karen on the line today from It's Bloom. For anyone who's not familiar, It's Bloom is an organic drink company. They do everything from turmeric teas to matcha to any other kind of specialty drink, or these products can go in your smoothies and your oatmeal. They're very multi-purpose. They're based out of Vancouver, Canada, and they've done an amazing job. They only started three years ago, you guys, and they've already grown so much. They've got amazing branding, amazing packaging a really loyal community of, you know, customers that just can't get enough of their products. And Karen tells us all about it in this episode. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think Karen really gets about the wellness space is that it should be more accessible totally, and it should be something that you can just integrate into your life. It doesn't mean you're up at 4am doing yoga and drinking celery juice and are just on it all the time. It's just like, what nice things can you incorporate in your day to take care of yourself? And I just really resonate with that. I think it makes it a lot more um, attainable and it makes you feel good. And yeah, so we dive into that and a whole bunch of other stuff in this episode. So let's get right into it. Let's do it. All right. Welcome back to another episode. Today we have Karen with us from It's Bloom. And as you heard in the intro, Bloom just has absolutely incredible products. They really focus on just keeping it simple um, and making it easy to integrate these healthy habits. Um, So Karen, I would love to start off just by hearing a little bit about, you know, how you develop these products, how you, how you come up with them and what goes into that. Um, well, (laughs) so many different things. It's a, it's, um, I feel like I need a low ball question, (laughs) but, um, Um, Well, I'd love to go back to kind of like how it all started, I guess, and like where, um, like where the inspiration kind of came from. So um, previous to Bloom, I worked in real estate finance, and it's a really um, coffee heavy industry. I don't know how else to say it. It was just Mm. a lot of coffee meetings, a lot of like everybody's on espresso. And um, it honestly just really disagreed with my, my system. I was finding that, you know, you're Mm. taking these coffee meetings and the cafe mini real estate is just so over occupied by like syrups, espresso based drinks, and there weren't a lot of satisfying alternatives. So Bloom was really born. Like the first drink was born out of like me wanting something else. Um, So I was experimenting with healthy ingredients at home, trying to design something that was kind of in line with what my personal goals were. And um, it's eventually become a drink that I can see on cafe menus. So um, the drinks that we're trying to, the, the drinks that we make now and how we formulate recipes, it's all about it being, you know, really simple, leading with nutrition and elevated enough that you could see it on a cafe menu. I love it. Well, let's talk a little bit about like your vision for it, right? If it comes from you just being sick of having to (laughs) drink caffeine, did you know that this was going to be in coffee shops and retail stores or was this meant to just kind of be your at-home drink? Originally, it was definitely an at-home drink solution. 
Um, but I think like, you know, you start sharing it with people you care about, you start talking about it and you realize how many people manage their caffeine. Um, about like in a study, about 68% of Americans see a need to manage their caffeine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like this thing that we all do privately. Um, you know, you, where you think about, um, like that moment where you're like, Oh, should I have that second cup of coffee Is it yeah. in the day? Like, it's something that we like that pain point, I think resonates with a lot of people and it, but it's just, there weren't really thoughtful solutions and it wasn't very accessible. And, mm-hmm. um, so that first iteration of a drink, which our first drink was the turmeric latte, um, has kind of like developed over time into something that now I really see working on cafe menus. And, and part of the reason for that is just that so like these spaces are beautiful, they're community oriented, they are, you know, places where at least at one time you would, you know, meet friends and meet family and like have good conversation. And it's not just limited to it being in the morning when you're needing your caffeine. Um, so, right. so now Bloom is like this really healthy, nourishing alternative that you can have on that menu. Man, this just hits home for me. Like I I can think back distinctly to one moment. It was probably two, maybe three years ago. Um, I was in Arizona with my family. I was really stressed out. Work was like overloading me. And I was drinking a lot of caffeine almost just because like I didn't know what else to do. Like I don't even think I was tired. I think it was just like a habit. And I started getting help, heart palpitations. I'm like, okay, something's got to give. I totally cut out caffeine. The heart palpitations ended instantly. It's one of those things that people don't pay attention to until they have adverse effects. I think it's amazing that you're offering different alternatives. And I'm like, I wish I knew about this then. <laughs> oh, that's, it's so true that, you know, caffeine is a stimulant. And, um, and what's been so amazing about this journey is really the community and like finding out why people are looking for caffeine alternatives, because it wasn't like we had this amazing business plan, you know, it was so well thought out, so well researched, you know, it was a problem that I wanted to solve for myself that I could see working. And then you just kind of, we just jumped into it. Um, and in this process, it's been so much about, um, refining, understanding your customer, what really brings them to bloom. And yeah, we hear heart palpitations, we hear IBS, anxiety, trouble sleeping, Mm -hmm. you know, there's all sorts of different reasons that people manage caffeine. And, um, And I think people are talking about it more and more, especially now as wellness is really at the forefront of your thinking. Okay, I have so many different questions I want to ask based on what you just said. But I think for starters, what does the timeline of all this look like? So from when you're starting to experiment for your own needs to fully launching Bloom, what is that process like? How many years ago was that? So Bloom has just hit three years old. So um, it's... I would say been pretty quick. Um, yeah. I grew up with something called Jammu, which is a turmeric-based elixir. My dad's Indonesian. So mm-hmm. I, I had kind of like the basis of a recipe in my mind, I would guess, I would say. And mm-hmm. um, and then while I was working in this job, um, I was experimenting with it and uh, trying it out. And basically what happened is I went into um, – I went into a store, it's like a little smoothie bar in downtown Vancouver. And I went in there looking for a turmeric latte to see if I could, you know, just like get one on my way to work. And um, the guy there said that he was looking for a product, but that he couldn't really find one in Canada and they were all terrible. Mm -hmm. And he was, he was thinking about trying to find something like that for the menu. And he happened to be the owner. 
And so I asked him, I was like, Hey, like if I made one, would you buy one? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he said, yes. Um, so wow. it was just like this really weird kismet. It was in, and that was like, okay, we're going to do it. So yeah. from, from that moment to actually like filling our first order was maybe six weeks, two months with like the first iteration. And of oh course like, the packages changed so much. The, like the ingredients have changed so much. Like it's really like adapted and changed over time. But, um, but yeah, like that, that moment was about three years ago. Okay. You have to paint the picture for us. What did that first iteration of the product look like? What did it taste like and what's changed? Well, it was, you know, the sample that I brought into him was a mix of like, you know, spices I bought from the grocery store kind of thing. Now that now the spices that we bring in, the ingredients we bring in, you know, they're from cooperative farms, they're all organic, they're fair trade, they're ethically sourced, like the quality of the blend itself has just really changed. Like as we improve our sourcing, um, Mm. sourcing has become really like core to the mission. And um, the first package was this like little craft package that we bought from um uline i don't know if you know this company (laughs) you can order you know like things in sets of a hundred and um you know we stuck labels on it just printed from a local print shop and yeah that was the that was the first run of product um and after that it you know we we reached out to little cafes and little boutiques in vancouver and we just saw a lot of interest you know people were looking for caffeine three Free things. Turmeric is something that, um, you know, it's immunity boosting, it's good for inflammation, and those health benefits are pretty well known now. Mm-hmm. So um, when we were starting out there, the turmeric latte was really becoming a thing. Um, so yeah, and and now obviously we've got um, nine SKUs, we've got five planned for this year. It's, it's, it's a totally different process in terms of what it takes to pull out a product, but um, that's where it started. Wow. Yeah, that is some really quick growth. That's super cool. And obviously there was a need, I think, especially that's something we see in Canada a lot, right? These trends will start developing in the States and we want something similar here, but we can't get it. Um, So really cool to hear that. Obviously the wellness space has just exploded over the past few years and it's, I don't know, I actually be interested to hear if you think it's saturated, but um, I would love to know, you know, how you stand out in that market. I know being accessible is something really important to you and, you know, not having this elitist feel that a lot of wellness brands can have. So yeah, I would love to hear about how you, how you approach that. Um, well, for your first question about saturation, um, Mm -hmm. I think wellness is a huge space. I think like the last number that I looked at, it was something like a $4 trillion industry and it's not something that's going away. You know, I think there's a lot of talk about like trends and fads and products that are popular today, but are they going to be popular a year from now, three years from now? And wellness, plant-based living, taking care of yourself, self-care, you know, these aren't things that are fads or trends that are disappearing. Mm -hmm. It's things that you're going to try harder and harder to incorporate into your life that we need more and more. Um, We're just as a, I feel like just as a, the human race is just continuously more stressed out you know, more anxious and just like looking for things that are good for you and simple to incorporate. So, um, yes, there's like a lot of different messaging. Wellness is an obstacle course. Um, a lot of different approaches to wellness, but I don't think it's saturated. I think there's still, um, lots of space to have a unique message and provide something that's really solving a customer pain point. 
Um, and the way that we've approached that is really defining that customer pain point as how convoluted wellness is. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you go into a nutritional aisle, you know, you're in Whole Foods and you're looking at the at the smoothie supplements. There are, you know, on a given day, a hundred different products, all right. being the things that, you know, are going to change your world and you need this for that. And, you know, it's, it's complicated and, the, yeah, and it's overwhelming. It is. It's overwhelming. And, and then at the same time, you know, you're looking at social media and you see influencers who are the epitome of health, you know, um, they can do like yoga influencers who drink green juices, like they're going out of style and, um, <laughs> have this, um, this, pinnacle of what healthy looks like. Um, and for me personally, um, that didn't speak to me, Mm -hmm. you know, like I care, I obviously care about wellness. I care about plant-based ingredients. I believe that, you know, food can be your medicine, but, um, with balance, you know what I mean? Where with, I want it to be approachable. I want it to be simple. Mm -hmm. I want it to be easy to incorporate because I have just like a bunch of other people lots of competing priorities and um, not necessarily hours a day to just research individual ingredients and what they do for me. So what we're trying to do with Bloom is make wellness simple and where it's, you know, balance, not punishment. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you want to have a beetroot latte um, as an alternative to your caffeine, that's awesome. Good for you. We're here to support that. If you want to eat it with a croissant, oh, they pair great. Good for you. Go for mm-hmm. it. Enjoy it. You know, um, we're not trying to tout a specific form of wellness. It's really what's good for you. And often that's just like feeling good in yourself, you know, not judging your decisions. And um, so our whole thing is about making wellness accessible and simple and, and a little lighter. Um, and I think we're on a good track for that. Totally. Totally. I mean, even your like colors and your website just speak so much to that. I'm curious, selfishly, like I'm a coffee drinker and not really a tea drinker or any of these other specialty drinks. Do you find most of your customers are converted coffee drinkers or are they more so in the tea category and yours is just product expansion? You know, I think they're more like um, they drink coffee, but they're trying to manage it. Where it's not, it's not one camp or the other. It's somewhere in the middle. You know, um, I also drink, you know, I'll drink coffee in the morning. It's part of my ritual, but it's for like the 11 you know, it's for, um, <laughs> it's for my oatmeal when I want to boost the nutrition and the flavor and for it to be really simple. It's for my smoothie to take it to another level. It's one product that you can incorporate in a bunch of different ways where you trust the ingredients. Yeah. And I can only imagine, like, as you start to open up the use cases for when people enjoy your product, your target market or your your total addressable market just opens up as well. Can we talk a little bit about the reviews on your site? This is something we called out with you ahead of time. You guys, you have to check it out on their website. They have hundreds of reviews on every single product you guys have live. How do you incentivize reviews and what tools are you using? Um, So we use an app called Judge Me. Um, So basically after your purchase, um, it'll send kind of like an automated um, email just asking you to leave a review. Um, And honestly, the reviews have been really natural. We only started collecting them in the last year. Um, So um, all of those reviews are kind of 
um, from customers in the last year. And um, we incentivize it with uh, a 10% off your next purchase. Um, but it's mostly, you know, people have solved a need in their life and they just feel the need to share it. And um, community is something really important to Bloom. And we um, have like a company policy. And this isn't just for customers. It's for, you know, if people are reaching out to be uh, an ambassador, it's people reaching out for an app that we just need to try or really anything is that we get back to everyone. Um, and even if it's a no, you know, and, and we, through that, we've really developed community. Um, it just has, has opened the communication lines. Um, I think it's so often you, you know, send an email in or you send a message in and nothing comes back, but mm -hmm. no matter what comes in, we're sending something back. And, um, I think that's really where those reviews are coming from, where people, you know, feel heard, um, they have great things to say, and then we, you know, ask them to share it. We, we just straight up say, Hey, if you, if you do like that blend, could you, could you leave us a review? And they often will. That's amazing. And for people listening, um, 10% off of, you know, your next purchase to leave a review is not giving away the farm. Like that is actually like people are probably giving you reviews because they just truly love the product and would do it anyway. 10% across the entire industry is not crazy. No, it's, it's, it's on the low side for sure. I mean, like any, yeah. um, um, any small business kind of, you know, in food and wellness, it's, um, we don't give out a lot of, you know, discount codes and things. We don't want to be salesy. We hope that people love the products and they come back and there's word of mouth. Those reviews, most of them are from, you know, happy customers who just want to share their experience. Mm -hmm. yeah. Totally. It all comes back to just really believing in the product and the problem you solve and why people would want to use it. And I think then it just makes all the marketing and all the growth tactics just work that much better. And they feel more sincere because you do trust in in what you're bringing to the market. So I think that's incredible. Now, you touched on ambassador program. Talk to us about that. How did you determine you needed one and, and how has it grown? The ambassador program is, you know, it's pretty informal. There are, <laughs> there are lots of other companies, I think, with way more formal setups. But we basically, you know, people reach out to us who love the products and who use it and they take beautiful photography or they know a lot about nutrition or, um, you know, they're just fans and, um, and, and then they're willing to share it um, and, you know, bring that message for us. So it's, it's never been like, you know, we don't have anyone dedicated to an ambassador program. It's just really mm. happened naturally from people requesting like, Hey, I, I, I love this product. I want to share it type thing. Mm -hmm. One thing I, I work in influencer marketing and one thing I see work tremendously, whether it's affiliate programs, traditional influencer marketing, gifting programs, whatever it is, if you've got a food product, investing in application content has been massive. What I mean by that is, you know, have someone do a recipe video or write a blog post on a certain recipe using your products. That way you're providing value to your customer. Oh, and you're giving your ambassador, you know, the stage to go and tell your story. Have you found certain kinds of content, whether it's blog posts or videos, have resonated more than others? Well, with our blends, um, we've been kind of surprised at how many, um, I guess you would call them micro-influencers, pick up the mm -hmm. blends. They're very, um, you know, 
our blends are really aesthetically pleasing. They're, they, they don't have dyes in them, but just because, you know, beets are pink, um, mm -hmm. is blue, like they're, they're really interesting looking. Um, so we found that what works best in terms of what people are attracted to is really like the making of the drinks, like seeing, seeing them all come together, seeing the process, seeing the how to, um, like understanding the application of them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, today we've only ever paid for one influencer collaboration. Oh my gosh. Um, all of the sharing that's done, um, is, is, is organic really. It's people who have, you know, found us one way or another, whether it be through their favorite cafe, um, their favorite uh, boutique, maybe they found us through a digital ad or something like that. And, you know, they pick it up for themselves to try it. Like, um, we, yeah, we've only done one paid influencer um, partnership kind of since wow. And I guess that's probably ties back into the accessibility piece, right? Is that, you know, people can buy it for themselves. They don't have to necessarily be saving up to try it or, um, you know, be scouring for discount codes or that sort of thing. So I think that ties really well into your overall ethos. Yeah, I you know, like our um, MSRP for the products is between 20 and $25. And that kind of works out to less than a dollar per serving. And in the health and wellness space, that is on the accessible side for sure. And, mm -hmm. you know, accessibility to us is, yes, it's price, but it's also multifunction. So even if you don't love lattes, let's say you're not a latte drinker, um, do you eat oatmeal? Do you like smoothies? Mm -hmm. Do you like, you know, pink pancakes for your kids? Like there's a lot of different uses for one product. Um, so accessibility really comes in that way as well. Anytime we're working with um, food brands or food companies, the first time purchase is important, yes, but it's more about the lifetime value or the LTV of a lot of these customers. Can you talk to us about the different customer touch points, maybe even exclusively post-purchase to get people to come back and buy from you again? Yeah, so you're totally right. With food products, it really is about the long-term value of a customer. And that's something that we try and attract a couple of different ways. So um, one is just, you know, it being a ritual. Um, we hope that, you know, something like turmeric, for instance, it's um, you feel the effects of it, the benefits of it over time. Um, mm -hmm. like the more you incorporate it into the into your ritual, the better you'll feel. So um, I think there's like some self-sustaining element to it as well, that if once people are in the ritual of having a matcha where, you know, you don't have jitters when compared to coffee, right. um, like there is kind of like a bringing you back kind of all on its all on your own. Like once you feel the benefits, you want to come back for it. Um, but an, another way that we do that is um, we do a bunch of community um, gifts, if that makes sense for weekly oh. buyer. So one example would be, um, uh, purchasers who have made multiple purchase for, purchases from, from Bloom will have, will get gifts, will be, you know, incorporated as like a specialty buyer. We're working on a recipe book right now that will be a free yeah. gift with purchase. So, you know, we, we, um, we really want to create a community, um, around, around the products. Yes, but around the brand, just a place that you can trust, a place that you feel familiar with. And, um, so that, that comes through, you know, kind of all the things that are around the actual purchase. Yeah. 
oh my gosh, it's huge. Like I even think this is a very different context. So excuse the terrible analogy, but when I'm building a partner program at a tech company and I'm bringing partners in early saying, you know, how do you want me to build this? What's important to you? How do we like make this relationship valuable to you? You get their buy-in so much more than if I just reach out telling them what's supposed to be important. I love the fact that you're engaging with this community. I think the gifts is a, a super fun way to make sure that you're like staying top of mind and you know, make these customers feel special. When you're doing new product testing, are you bringing in those VIP customers or is that a different customer subset that you're testing with? Yeah. So for new products, so we've got a bunch of new products planned for this year. We, we kind of, we do the B2B side and then we also do the direct to consumer side. So um, we'll send out, um, we'll send out like the new product to um, VIP customers to get their feedback. And we'll literally will definitely incorporate it. You know, it's, it's, I think that feedback loop, they really feel. And for on the B2B side, we'll go in, make drinks with a cafe owner, see how it works behind their bar. Like it does it, is it fast enough? Like, is it, um, is it too messy? Is the price point right? Is, you know, it's two very different sides to the business that need to be balanced, but we do it all through customer feedback and like direct testing with our customers. Oh, I think that's so important is, yeah, staying close to your customers. Absolutely. And one question that's coming up for me as you're talking through all this, even, you know, you've done one paid influencer activation, but you have great content, um, you know, that just comes in organically and your ambassador program kind of came to be because people were reaching out. Um, What drives your decision making and how you go to market with Bloom? Is it... Is it kind of just as things come up, you explore them? Or how do you decide which things to double down on? Oh, um, you know, um, I work on an amazing team. Like the people that um, are on the team for Bloom, we're all really passionate about what we're doing. And um, the culture is really built on like trust and integrity. So I'd say that it's, you know, it's often team decisions. You know, we get together, we weigh different alternatives, and then we decide together, like, where to focus in on. And I think that what we try and lead with is always going back to that mission about making healthy simple. So is an ambassador program going to help us with that mission? And if so, how? And um, and and in what way can we do it so that it's the most effective, has the best impact, and is genuine? Um we're, we're not trying to, um, you know, we, we want to build customers for life. We want to build like brand trust. We want to, we're right. We're at the beginning of our journey. And I think mm-hmm. it's always coming back to like doing things the right way. So that it lasts. Totally. If you were giving advice to someone who was just starting out, maybe they're, you know, a couple hundred orders in, how would you recommend they collect that customer feedback? I would directly email the customers who've made place those orders. Um, and, um, and we do. And I think that like the feedback that you get from a customer, if they're saying something's too salty, yep. like, is it too salty? You know, I think <laughs> there's, I think people are, um, not that open to feedback, you know, they mm-hmm. say that they are, but they aren't necessarily. And, um, I was reading about, um, the founder of native deodorant and how he said that there was like iteration after iteration on the deodorant. You know, every mm-hmm. time they got a customer review, they really had a process of like, oh, it's it it's 
um, too creamy coming on. It doesn't smell strong enough, whatever. Yeah. And they had a system really sorting through that, finding the themes and adjusting the product and really incorporating it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the product that you see today might not be the product you see in two years because consumer preferences change. Um, what people are looking for is going to, is going to adapt with the times and that we should be adapting too, because what we're trying to do is not sell a product. We're trying to solve a problem. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. It actually reminds me of another conversation that I was part of with um, one of the founders of Huron, which is a men's skincare brand. And he was so funny, like this company blew up and they were doing so well. They had a huge team under them. And every single weekend he would fill his backpack with products. He would bike around New York City, hand things out and get people to review the product on the spot. And he's like, we have to invest in some of the things that don't scale if we want to keep our products top of mind for these customers and make sure we're actually building something truly great. I think it's a totally undervalued skill. I think that, yeah, you operate in a vacuum in a small business too, where, you know, you're, you're trying to get things done. You're answering questions with your team. You're trying to get, you know, inventory made and you really have to make this like conscious effort towards betterment. And, um, Mm -hmm. and like what that guy is doing is amazing. You know, I'm going to get on my bike because that's like really <laughs> the street and, and like hearing from people who like, these are your customers. These are the, these are the problems you're trying to solve. And yeah. if you're not in touch with that, then you're not in touch with your mission. Absolutely. And I think it's taking your ego out of it saying, yeah. maybe I didn't make the best product the first time around mm-hmm. and that's okay. And having that growth mindset of like, even if, there's things that need to be changed. We can figure it out and we can build that. And it all comes back to community, which I think is incredible because I think, like you said, so many entrepreneurs are in a vacuum and there's so much value in getting out there and just learning um, and being open to that information from other people is, is huge. Yeah. I'm so proud of the products that we have today. And I just, I, I think it's about like having systems in place so that you can always adapt, be growth minded. And that's not just with products. It's like with your, your process, it's with your team, it's with your leadership style. It's, you know, just having that, um, having the mentality that you can change and that's not a bad thing. Um, that's sticking to your guns. Of course you should have faith and passion in your mission and who you are and what you set out with, but being open as well. is really important. Um, especially today. Totally. Well, and I even think of like, we've been a part of a couple of companies um, that have changed dramatically in a very short time. So I can only imagine one thing that we were just um, reading up on was that you started this company with Ella and now have since taken it over. Can you tell us a bit about that transition and how the company has evolved and the requirements from a leadership perspective have evolved? Yeah. So um, Ella and I started the business um, three years ago together. She's a friend of mine and we just had different visions for where we wanted to go. She, you know, she helped create like the first iteration of the package and she um, really defined the voice of the brand. Um, But she, you know, had other interests and other, and, and I had a different direction. I wanted to take the business. And ultimately the thing that made the most sense for both of us was for us to work on what we were both most passionate about. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it has changed the business really significantly. In the last year, we've grown about 6x, added on, you know, um, a full team that's 
you know, remote. Um, some of the people on the team I've never met in person. So, you know, it's really, it's really changed, but I think in, in, in good ways, you know, um, it feels, it feels focused, more focused now. It feels, um, you know, that I'm really able to execute on the vision that I see for Bloom and it's exciting. It's a really exciting phase for us. Yeah, I remember another thing we were listening to another episode that you had been on on a different podcast. And you were mentioning like the feat that is relinquishing control, right? When you get to a certain skill, you can't be the point person on literally every part of your business and you need to start delegating. What kinds of like practices or tools have you implemented to help ease that process? Oh, delegation is so hard, I think, especially at the age that um, we're at now, you know, where we're, where, you know, at one time I was like, not that long ago, I was, you know, putting things in my back trunk and delivering them around Vancouver, you know, Mm -hmm. so so really like in the last year and a half. So um, it's changed a lot in the last year. And, um, and I think it's just like recognizing that other people can do things better and have ideas and they they're worth listening to um i i and also just um i'm trying i want to build a company that i i would want i would have wanted to work at you know where um i'm individually respected for my ideas and what i bring to the table and i think like i the people that are with bloom now i do really respect for what they bring and so that that has made it really easy to delegate you know, if you're bringing in people that you trust, who have integrity, who are genuine, then it's 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 easy to take a it's easier to take a step back and focus on the things you should be focusing on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you determine what those things are that you should be directly focused on? Um, you know, that's it's it changes it changes all the time. But um, uh, recently, I was a participant in this program called Pitch for the Purse. It's um, Oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah, it's out of Vancouver. It's a women's entrepreneurial pitching program and you get paired with a mentor. So once you get to like the final stages, you get, you get paired with somebody to review your business and help you prep for pitch day. Um, and my mentor was just, you know, asking me questions about, you know, how focused I was on things like strategy, working backwards. Mm. So if, if this is where you want to be in five years, how do you get there? Like, have you really thought about the steps that it would take to be there? And, you know, I was pretty embarrassed about, not embarrassed, but like, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't have that, that plan, you know, that yeah. really clear strategy because I was spending a lot of the day in, you know, operations, the day-to-day running of your yeah. business. A lot of people do. And I think a lot that will resonate with a lot of business owners is, mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to invest in people before you're even ready so that you can focus on those things. And mm-hmm. um, so I think like the time that is most rewarding to me and that um, where I should be focusing my time is really that planning, you know, thinking about the future, what I want Bloom to be, the, the culture, the vision of it and, and how to and how to really execute it, creating creating steps for it. Karen, can you give us like a sneak peek if we were to fast forward, like, I don't know, let's say five years out, what's different about Bloom then than Bloom now? So right now, Bloom's views are all really focused on um, the caffeine-free latte blends. And what I really want for Bloom, like more generally than a specific skew that I want to, you know, give you is just that it's 
this go-to brand, this trusted source of lighthearted wellness. So a resource of recipes, nutritional information, and, you know, different products that support your wellness goals in a very digestible way. So not, you know, pages and pages of overburdening information and solving all your problems, but, you know, clear, succinct, accessible, approachable way to access wellness. And I think that's um, when I'm thinking about what Bloom is going to become, I really, that's what I'm aiming for. It's just, you know, if you're looking if you have like a specific wellness goal and you're looking for a product to support you um, or a community to support you, um, that you think of Bloom and you you come to us. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to be submitting an order after this. My caffeine overload is those days are behind me and I'm so thankful for it. For anyone that's curious about um, finding out more about Bloom or if you want to go check them out, it's bloom.com and it's Bloom on Instagram. And Karen, I have to say, when you say your five-year goal, it's evident in what you're doing today because even, you know, this community focus that you have and all the great content you have on your website, it's super helpful. So um, I I think you're going to get there for sure, maybe even sooner than in five years. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that's really nice. It's, it's nice to hear that, like, you know, um, what you're working on behind closed doors is resonating with customers, like at our touch point. So thanks very much. Yeah, 100%. Now, we ask every guest that comes on who they think gets it, right? We look at you and the brand that you've built in the community and the loyalty, and obviously you get it. Whether it's this mentor you spoke with or someone else, who do you look up to? Um, I mean, I have to go back to this mentor um, because it's been one of the most rewarding relationships that I've developed through Bloom. Um, you know, we're supposed to be kind of the way that the program set up, you get three sessions and 30 minutes don't overburden your mentor. Um, but she, she really pushes um, to push me, to push Bloom, to push the team. She's a connector. Um, mm. So yeah, I, and, and what was really interesting about this relationship too was that um, she was a Bloom consumer before she was paired with me. No way. Um, so it's it's uh, pretty cool, and um, I think she gets it. <laughs> yeah. Can you share her name? Nanon Matrick. Oh, shout out Nanon. <laughs> <laughs> if you have any advice for the rest of us, we'd gladly take it. <laughs> yeah, you should interview her. <laughs> Karen, this has been such a fun episode. I'm not joking. I'm going to go populate my cart and check out right now. I think it's amazing what you've built. And I love the fact that you're so open about the changes in only three short years. You've done a lot. And I feel like this was the perfect interview for people who are thinking about launching a business or maybe are just getting started. You're, you're a great model to emulate. Oh, thank you. You know, um, that, that means a lot. We're, we're working hard like the team is. And um, yeah, I'm, Hopefully we'll be able to check in with you in a few years and tell you all about what we Yes, doing. you'll have to come back on and who knows what it'll be in two years. They get it. But um, yeah, we'll definitely have to connect again in the future. Karen, it's been such a pleasure. So thank you again. Thanks, Karen. Thank you. Man, there was a lot of good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. I think the one that resonates the most with me, and maybe it's because we were just talking about it, but I feel like a lot of founders, they they have this idea of what their company is going to be over the next 10 years, and they're so rigid with that idea. I think Karen hit on a really important point. 
how your company starts is not how your company is going to end. And I feel like anyone who believes that it will stay consistent is almost doing yourself a disservice. Your your company is like a living thing. It's supposed to be breathing and ebbing and flowing as demand is there. And so I just think she does a great job, you know, when there's a certain team at the beginning and that team is no longer serving the business, it's time to pivot. Same thing with products. It's a good lesson. Absolutely. And I just think the point of just really focusing on building a product that your customers want, listening to them, not just letting your ego say, I know I built the best thing. I don't care what people have to say. And just being open to that is going to lead you to have a better product, which is going to make your marketing easier and it's going to make your growth easier. And I really like, you know, how she kind of talked to that and how she approaches that. So thanks again for listening to another episode. If you like it, please subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us keep bringing content to you. Um, And also we love feedback and we really want to get more. So feel free to DM us on Instagram if there's people you'd like us to talk to or like topics you'd like us to cover, things you'd like us to dive into more. If you have feedback on how we are on this podcast, we're still learning. So let us know and we will see you next week. 